podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. feeling the gargantuous shift on this planet and are wondering where or how you can remain in the lighter vibes and speedier frequencies. Perhaps you're feeling super blocked personally or professionally in your life with health, finances, purpose, love, relationships, and or career. Or you may be questioning whether your joy and peace will be there when you land those huge quantum leaps you're feeling strongly nudged to take. Or whether you have any angels or spirit guides. Or if your loved ones who've passed are with you. Or what to do with some limiting thoughts that maybe your powerful assistance in the quantum dumped you off somewhere along the way. Well, they want you to know right now that never happens. They never, ever leave you, no matter what. What if you really can flip all your life aspects and their light switches back to the strongest on? Receiving a quantum leaping angel walk or phone talk with your angels and guides may be just the guidance you've been seeking. Jeannie Marie Blaha. In this episode, Valeria Tellis interviews Jeannie Marie Blaha on the astonishing light of our own being. Jeannie Marie Blaha is an intuitive, medium, and quantum leaping co-pilot. Since childhood, she has received steady, insistent nudges from those so-called invisible realms to help others remember their joy and well-being birthrights. From about the age of 13 months, Jeannie was keenly fascinated and active with all things quantum and spirit. As a little tyke, she eagerly shared those communications with animals as they expressed no fear of such happiness, possibility, and healing. In her teen years, messages from the quantum began to sneak out for people, too. What began as angel walks evolved into both angel walks and phone talks, that now include guided quantum leaps with Jeannie. Along with her profession in seeing and busting out desired reality blocks via her quantum adventures, she is passionately involved with horses, dogs, and all of nature as well. Yoga and Kung Fu meditation are also favorite mind and body bending practices for her. 
Currently, Jeannie, a.k.a. the Angel Cowgirl, is also writing a book with her A-list quantum cohorts. To read her full biography, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Here is the interview with Jeannie Marie Blaha. In your own words, who is Jeannie Marie Blaha? Jeannie Marie Blaha is the light form existence of the purpose that I'm here to offer. So it is my vehicle that I was given to be able to offer what I do. Thank you. (laughs) My first official question is, how did you discover your intuitive abilities? I don't actually remember not doing them. I'd, I have reached as far back as I could to see, did they begin at a certain time that I, <laughs> from a certain experience? And actually, when I went back as far as I could go from this lifetime, I could see that I was about 13 to 14 months old in a high chair. And my baby sister, who was about 12 months, 13 months younger than I, was in the hospital and she was very sick. And uh, we were around the dinner table and in prayer over her being able to heal. And I saw myself zip out of the high chair and go to her in the hospital. And I remember talking to her and then talking to these light forms around her. She had a lot of angel activity around her as well as spirit guides. Uh, Her room was full of those who were caring for her from the invisible is what we'd call it. And so I asked them to please stay with her and that I had to go back to my family. And uh, they reassured me that they would. And she was actually, she came home from the hospital, I believe, within the next week. And at the time, they weren't sure that she would actually live because it was, she was very, very sick. And she's, today she's married and has children and she's very alive. So it was wonderful. But yes, that's probably my first experience when I saw it. And then throughout life, it just kept coming up and it was something that I I couldn't walk away from or reject or ignore because I ended up feeling really yucky about things. So I just let go to it. And I kept my mouth quiet about it a long time until I was about a teenager. And then people started to seek me out and ask a lot of questions. And I think from about the age of 16 or 17, I was sharing messages on a pretty regular basis with people. Do you believe that everyone has the same intuitive abilities, but they are just not aware of them? Well, according to those that I speak with from quantum, they say that everyone is intuitive and that it is a matter of our decision with our own free will, how strongly we want to be connected to it. And generally, they say the, the, the biggest thing that comes along is the fear around it of if I can tune in this strongly or I can get this kind of information, how much pain am I going to become aware of and how much am I going to have to help? in ways that what if I'm not capable of helping? So it comes, you know, back to a a lot of times for people is this sense of fear around it. So they start to turn down the volume. So little kids often have it very, they're tapped in completely until um, an adult person starts to either kind of giggle about it or make light of it, or, you know, even talk them out of it, out of a fear that they're going to be um, ostracized for it, cast away from friends or family and et cetera. So yes, everyone is very intuitive. (laughs) Absolutely. Speaking of fear, I know you mentioned some of them, 
being the reason why we don't connect or don't accept that connection with the divine. But in your opinion, what are we most afraid of? The largest fear, based upon, again, the conditioning and the environmental aspects that come in oftentimes when when we are very small and young, is uh, that we are not enough, that we can't make that much of a difference, that and it's just based upon how we, what we see in the adults around us who are also playing out that message to themselves. When they look in the mirror and they uh, tell you as a toddler that they need to lose weight or they're ugly or they're, um, they, you know, whatever the case may be where they're moving into fear with themselves, then a child watching that believes, wow, I must be in that lack too. I must be limited. I must not be able to do what I came here to do, or maybe what if I try and it doesn't work? Look at my mom and dad or my uncle and aunt are so-called failing according to their own messaging to themselves and then out loud. And then that leads to that fear of what if I came here and I can't fulfill what I came here to be and I'm not going to make that much difference and therefore I must not matter. So true. I remember those those moments in my life. Mm-hmm. What is to be fearless? To be fearless, from what I have observed, it's being able to let go 100% all the way, 1,000% to your love and just being in a conduit for that, no matter what you're nervous about or you think you can't do something or you believe, um, I'm going to go for this run and I'm not going to make it to the end of what I want to do. And you still go for the run and about halfway through, you say, of course, I can do this course I can do this. Uh, same with uh, anything having to do with, um, even for some, it's just leaving the home, coming out of a state of depression and saying, I'm going to go out and do whatever I need to do. Maybe I just smile at somebody today. I'm going to move through the fear of feeling like I don't have anything to offer and know that somewhere inside of me, I must, because why else would I be here? So it comes down to very basal fear for a lot of people where it can be simply like, I have to go to the grocery store and I am afraid I might run into somebody who's going to be you know, mean to me or judgmental or whatever. So I think maybe I'll wait till tomorrow and they still go. They still walk through the fear. They're facing it. They're seeing it. And they say, that's okay. I'm still going to choose to do the loving thing for myself and for the planet. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting that you said that. I just wrote my new book, it's being published at the end of this month, and it's about love and fear. And one of the things I wrote is um, to be free to love. I have been posting that out there, actually. It makes sense. You just said that, too. Mm-hmm. And really freeing yourself up, giving yourself permission to say, I'm not going to let this fear control my life. And determine whether I can go to the grocery store, I can get in my car and drive somewhere that I, maybe I really want to check out these this park or these woods or this waterfall. And I haven't allowed myself because I'm afraid I'm going to get lost on the way or I don't know my way there. I'm still going to look at that fear and say, you know what, you're not going to control my freedom. Right. And that's my next question then to you. Uh, what is love? It is freedom. <laughs> According to those in the quantum, it is freedom. It is you being free to be. You're just being. That's it. It doesn't require having to do something, having to prove something, having to defend something, having to accomplish something. It all comes back to you just being. And that is your love. That's your love. Right. And that also means that the idea of good and bad vanishes. 
there's no such a thing. Actually, even life and death sort of merge. Everything's one. Yes, absolutely. And that it's all good. I mean, you really get to that place where you see, wow, even these extremely challenging circumstances, I can look at them and see they're all good. They've all led to these beautiful experiences that maybe had I not gone through it. Now, those in the quantum say you don't have to experience it necessarily hardship, but again, it's our perception of it, of where, how we're, what are our eyes looking at it and seeing it as, are we seeing it as something that's complete struggle? Are we thinking, wow, this is like a hurdle that I'm going to jump over and I'm going to let go to the jump completely and see what that means when I land, who am I affecting? How many people are not going to have to go through what I did because I'm here to share that there's another way. Wow. Um, what is your greatest joy, Jeannie? Oh my gosh. Uh, my greatest joy is, it is loving, loving it on people, loving on animals, loving on nature, uh, and just going with it, no matter how fluffy we might seem or how people are thinking they're crazy. Like what, how can they do that? You know, that, or maybe they're exaggerating or they want something for it or there's an agenda behind it. And, um, my greatest joy definitely is, is being able to just open that up and just radiate it out. Let it, let it be there in all of its bliss really. So let's talk about, um, the piece that you wrote titled 11 strong suggestions you might have heard, or are you hearing from your angels and guides. It's interesting because the first one, you basically say you are free. And my follow-up question about freedom is, what kind of freedom are we able to really have in this realm? Well, a lot of it does come down to letting go of the illusions of the constraints, because uh, we are so indoctrinated into this belief system that you have to do things a certain way, that you have to get a certain degree, you have to get a, you a certain job, uh, you have to live in a certain place and all of that. And it, when it comes down to it and a person decides, hold on a minute, I can determine that if I feel like it, I can go live on a hut somewhere or I can live on a river on a, in a boat. You know, I don't have to do it the way that I was actually shown. So it comes back down to the free will definitely, of um, making those decisions of I, every single moment I am choosing how I want to live in this uh, modular <laughs> home of the earth planet <laughs> that says you, it needs to look like this or it needs to look like that. And so the freedom of it is, it, com it just comes down to what are we deciding to do with it each day, every single day. Mm, yeah, I like that idea that the freedom that we are talking about comes from the deep understanding of who we are. That includes the body, obviously, too, and the conditioned mind, but because it's hard to really have the kind of freedom we might imagine in the body, because the body's limited, very much limited. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, uh, the more I encourage people to meditate or to do anything which leads them to that understanding that our body does not hold us captive. Our body is merely an extension and it's a vessel that gets to carry around our spirit and soul and all of the things that we decide we're going to do in the world. It is, doesn't have to be, and especially in this country, I'm sure you've noticed people get into that idea that they are, their body is kind of just what it is and it is deciding their fate 
or that they have an illness or a dis-ease of some kind that then controls their life. And what I encourage people to do regularly is to realize that our bodies are just expressions. They're expressions of everything we're thinking and feeling. And they're constantly in this continuum of alteration and change. And the more that we believe that we're attached to it, yes, the more constrained we will feel. The more we feel of it as it's this phenomenal vehicle that we can take anywhere with us and it will express to us back in great truth exactly how we feel about anything. Hmm. Yeah, one of the challenges for me, like even with the understanding I think I have is regarding the body is that it still goes through a lot of the the challenges that you speak of. And in my case, I feel much stronger maybe because of my age now going through some change um, as a woman. I'm 42, and then that, that time of the month, it's becoming harder. So what would you say for that kind of um, challenge, like for women every month? Well, this is my case. I know we all go through that, but some worse than others. This is actually just was answered to me recently was regarding pain. And what is pain really saying to us. And what those in the quantum said is that when we start to feel pain here in the body, it's that somewhere in our consciousness, we decided that we can have this rise to the surface to clear it. So it's not saying, oh, you ate the wrong thing, or you did the wrong thing, or you exercised hard or whatever. It's actually that the body is lifting these things out of our cellular memory. And it could be from other lifetimes, these concurrent lifetime realms as well, where it's saying, oh, this person, this soul is now ready to let this go. So, in, and they, according to those in the quantum, they've said, this is in every case for every kind of thing, illness, disease, pain, monthly pain, um, and if you have, you are, is more appropriate way to say it, if you are a woman in many of your concurrent lifetimes and you have this experience, then you are not only just facing it and looking at it and feeling it for this lifetime, you're also experiencing it for all of your other selves that are happening at the concurrent time. And therefore, if you here in this current existence and form are observing it and feeling it and going, boy, I'm, I think I'm better have some more water, this will, you know, or I'm going to just go and sit in some asana right now. And then what you're doing is helping that your whole form to not only heal here, but also in these other concurrent lifetimes where a lot of the messaging got wrapped up in, oh, you poor thing, you're a woman, you're going to have these terrible pains every month and it's going to take you down and you're going to be really mean to people <laughs> and, and angry and all of this. And so just assessing it and really observing it as you do and thinking in terms of it's not necessarily about age at all. It's just that, oh, these things are coming stronger now to me because I'm available to lift this out of me. I'm not, I don't have to hang on to this anymore for all these other concurrent lifetimes of those experiences and say, you know, in the sense of like hot flashes, for example, with women experiencing that, I asked about that one day and they said, it's actually a resurgence of all of the psychic intuitive stuff, your spirituality, your kundalini, um, all the things that we have given it, all kinds of phraseology. But it, there's more to the story than this is a physical symptom that you're experiencing because you're this age. And it's much more about this timelessness of when are we ready to let, let things go? When are we ready to say, you know what, I'm not going to carry that pain that I was told for centuries has to be viewed as pain even. 
you know, because we get fix, fixed on an idea of what is, what is pain. And then when you start to talk to people, you think, wow, everybody has a different assessment of what pain is or what that level is too. And all of a sudden you're like, maybe this isn't pain. Maybe this is just an expression calling out to me louder and louder until I hear it. And oh, now I hear it. Guess what? The pain isn't feeling the same way anymore. Wow. Yeah, it resonates Mm -hmm. very much. And really talking to the body a lot and saying, what do you need? What do you need to feel better with this? What can I give you that will help you feel better for this? Because the body will tell you exactly, oh, you know what? Kick up your vitamin D or, you know, go sit next to a tree for 20 minutes today or something. You know, whatever it is, the body will tell us and reflect it back very truthfully, very purely, very succinctly. A lot of times it's like, stop, don't eat that thing. That's not going to feel good in 20 minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so true. That's funny, Jenny, that um, in my case, I just let it flow. I don't take anything to stop the pain because I understand that I have to go through this. There's a reason for I just didn't understand why. But now you said something that everything you said actually uh, resonated. Oh, that's I mean, a little example is um, if I, I very rarely get any kind of illness, but when I do, I look at it as like, oh, cool. What's going to come up out of this? Like what is going to be revealed to me through this? Even like a cold, I think, oh, I wonder what my body is, you know, and I'll ask and there'll be very specific answers that come in. If you ask, that's why I always suggest people ask, ask your body exactly what it's telling you right now. Oh, it doesn't like that job anymore. Or it is in fear of this, you know, happening because our bodies are always trying to keep us safe. You know, they're always doing their best to heal and keep us safe. So if they're speaking, that's when it's time to listen and say, okay, wait a minute. Um, oh, I've been not, I've been being mean to myself or I've been too hard or I'm pushing on myself. And now I have this massive headache because my brain is saying, stop thinking about this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, it really um, resonates. That's what I I can say. (laughs) I don't want to put words into it anymore. The second suggestion is joy is your birthright. That's basically what I understood. So my question is, is it possible to be joyful all the time in every way and in every area of our lives? Uh, What about responsibilities? No, that's perfect. Well, do you know the etymology behind the word responsibility? No. Okay, so the etymology of the word responsibility is actually the ability to respond. So we have cast these heavy, dense frequencies around responsibility and made it a burden, like duty, obligation, um, those kinds of terminology that ridle. I mean, they go right with the word, I have to be responsible. Instead of that etymology of the word, the origination of it was the ability to respond to something. So yes, we have these responsibilities, again, self-chosen by our free will, you know, that we have decided this, I am going to respond to this. I'm going to take my abilities over here and respond to that because everybody has decided differently as far as what their own responsibilities are as a soul, even if they haven't thought about it that way. They still have. Somebody might feel very responsible for seeing children being able to, say, retain their innocence. So they continually go into careers where they can help the children 
maintain that. Whereas another person would say, I don't have any responsibility to that. <laughs> In other words, I can't really respond to that. <laughs> and I'm going to just attend to the technology and the planet so that we can bring our water back to purity, you know, or something. So it's like a, this, uh, everyone stepping into not only their service or their purpose, but what can they really respond to? What wisdom did they arrive with? What is that joy? Because uh, those in the quantum say, if it's not of joy for you, then don't do it. Because then you, what we do is radiate out the drudgery, the yuck, the I feel like I have, you know, the responsibility, that definition of it is, well, I still have to go take care of that. No, you don't. <laughs> According to, you know, the guides and the angels and stuff, they say, no, do the things that bring you joy, because that's how you are going to have the greatest impact you can on the earth. So if it's something... Uh, where yes, it's still you can look at it and say, okay, I'm doing animal rescue, and it's I experience sadness or I experience trauma or pain. You know that I can feel the animals in their pain. However, the joy in it is that I can help stave off some of this or prevent more of it, or I can attend to it in a different way. It doesn't mean that uh, we become less compassionate or less understanding, or that we suddenly don't feel something. But the joy can be rippling through that pain. The joy can be rippling through the trauma that can be ripping through because of the fact that we're still stepping up, stepping in, being there with our presence, with the joy be there because I am still here. I'm here in my presence, attending and responding. <laughs> right. I like that, Jean. I never heard about that either. Never heard. Responsibility being the ability to respond. It sure does give it a different feeling, doesn't it? I mean, it's like you have a sense of like, wow, it's on me what I'm going to be able to respond. You know, how, I, how am I going to respond to this? Rather than that heavy, I have to do something against my own uh, making. Like what uh, maybe I'm, I know I'm not good at something and I'm going to make myself still do it. No, what if I find the person that has those talents and gifts and they can attend to it and it gives them purpose and gives them the sense of, wow, I'm, I really make a difference here. I'm mattering. And so then the joy is there again, even though we can observe it and say, I don't know how they find joy in doing that recycling for or that, you know, picking up the garbage. And then they're singing their songs in an Italian opera as they're going along. So they're in their yes. joy. Oh, yeah. Um, you mentioned soul. What is the soul? Well, how it's described to me, because I've asked about soul and spirit, and uh, how it's described to me is your, your, as energy goes, once it's created, it has always existed. Therefore, you have always existed. The soul of you is that existence. It has always been. It will always be. And it goes through these forms, as you were talking earlier about the body physical, and it determines what body physical it will have in each existence to be able to attend to whatever it is that the spirit decides is, oh, this is what I'm going to learn about this time around. Oh, this is a great thing for me to, I'm going to be on this path to be able to attend to uh, something in Ukraine or whatever the case may be. The, so the soul is in existence forever you know, infinitely. And then you are picking these different forms, these body physicals, which it sounds like sometimes you're like, well, you know what, I would rather just be the soul part. <laughs> yeah, nah, right. What is, what is um, before the soul? What is there before the mind, before the soul? The energy is what I've been explained is it's the energy of you. It is your essential self. The essential self is the energy that is in court, it is um, unified because it's really not separate whatsoever. 
your central Venus, your central self, it is conducted through all of these souls, through all of these lifetimes, and it always is. So you could call it an energy, but that is a challenging one to put into words because, again, in our earth minds, we try to make things into form to understand them, and it's really formless. I mean, it's a, it is a formless existence mm -hmm. formless <laughs> made up of waves and particles right. there's no mm -hmm. name it's not really anything no mm -hmm. i mean it's it's um you at your it, it, it's an essential existence it, so in other words it is there is no ending or beginning to it there in in that way you don't it is not divided and it, you cannot divide it it is um, not separated. <laughs> and so, and that also is not separated from whatever, you know, people call it source, God, creator, all that. It is, it is not separate. <laughs> it is that. I mean, you could literally, those words, I am, that is what was before soul, before spirit, is that I amness. Would you call it, which is before the mind, love? Yes. And bigger. <laughs> mm. Okay, beyond our, our understanding, obviously. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's um, because our concept of love is very, um, it has a lot of limitation to it. And it doesn't understand the fluidity of love that I, I remember some years ago, somebody had said to me, well, love really, it can never be unconditional. And so, you know, I would, I always feel a bit of like a tinge of, oh, that's, I'm on, you know, oh, I'm sorry that you can't feel that or you haven't felt that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, right. yes, right. exactly as you phrased it, it is, it is love. And you probably, everyone probably has a very, you know, a little taste here and there of what it is. And it comes down to that place of, you can't even, you can't explain it. You, it's inexplicable. There's no reason for it. You know, there's no definition of it. You can't really put it into words. You're like, I can't even think of how to put this into words. It's just, it's so big that you feel on, as an earth presence, you probably feel like you could do anything, that there's nothing that you could not do. Yeah. So in a way we do understand that what love is, the love we speak of, unconditional love. I think all of us have experienced um, at least for a second, a split of a second, that feeling of deep appreciation and gratitude for everything just the way it is, for everyone just the way they are, without trying to change anything, or yourself, everything is unconditioned, there's no conditions. I don't know for how long we can, if I ask you, can you really love unconditionally anything, like anything that happens around you, Mm hmm. Well, it's fun to ask that question when you're observing something and you, you can ask yourself, can I love this? Like, am I, can I allow myself to love through this experience? What happens if I determine that and I decide that this experience is not horrific? It's not horrible. It's there is going to be uh, something that comes out of it that says, hey, guess what? There's another way this to be. And often what they suggest from the quantum is to consider um, what happens for us as we dwell on the challenge. We get ruminating and thinking about, oh, this problem, this problem, instead of pivoting to there must be a solution here. There's got to be an answer. And maybe one of us was called up to say, here, here is a possible solution. Here's a possible answer. 
And uh, that is where that light comes in that of the unconditional love, where instead of framing it up in fear, because that's what all of that ruminating does and <laughs> focusing on the problem is it's we're really stuck in the fear side of things. Instead of opening to, what if I loved to do this? What if I decided that this is love? I'm going to look at it as love and see where it's going to take us. And it can come down to the most inane kinds of things, you know, like um, if being on the road and having your car break down and saying, you know what, I'm going to see what I can look through this and see what the eyes of love would say about this. What would, if I could see through this with love, what would it look like? And miraculous things can happen where all of a sudden uh, people show up to, uh, you know, attend and assist and they can, they're so excited to be able to help, you know, because again, it's in our innate construct to want to be of service. And if we're not um, on purpose or feeling that we have a purpose, that's like the number one thing that starts the depression and the anxiety and the, you know, a lot of trauma for people. And when you were saying earlier uh, that you've seen that most people experience little glimpses of the unconditional love, I've had a lot of people say, you know, I haven't felt that for a very long time, or I don't even remember what that feels like. And in every step of the way, it is that it's not that we ever get separated from our spirit selves or our spirituality. It's that we just get that. It's like a dimmer switch on it. So it's about remembering who we are and dumping off all the stuff that we really are not. Again, like you were talking, the conditions, you know, the environmental things that happen. And love, that unconditional aspect happens the more we're letting go of all the gunk around it. It already is. Like the unconditional love that you have experienced for yourself, it's like you go, well, what, what triggered that feeling? Well, how did I get there? Guess what? All the other stuff you had dumped off in that moment, it what, didn't matter. It didn't have any matter. But this is really hard for people around us. I don't know how many people are around you who can understand that. But around me, I have people who they have a hard time, not because they want to. It's just because they don't understand. They dwell in their the minds. They're not in the heart. How do you um, how do you teach them to uh, understand the way you live this life? <laughs> That's a really good question because it comes down to, for me, what I end up doing is reflecting the questions back to people so that I'll say, well, you know, if you're making yourself do this and then you feel suffering and you feel that there is no hope or that you have no other way. And what if you do have another way? What if there is another option and you're just not letting yourself live that? So I reflect it back and question a lot of times because, uh, as you know, like if we say, well, I do it like this and it, other people are like, I don't know how you're doing it like that. Like, I can't do it like that. So bringing it instead to say, um, well, how, what if, you know, this week you gave yourself two, two times where you didn't do or something that you thought you had to do, you dreaded it, you didn't like it at all. And you did something else instead that brought you more joy that you knew that you were more drawn to, that you were getting a nudge of, instead of going to the gym today, I'm going to go outside and uh, go running out there. I'm going to take a walk somewhere instead of, you know, this and replacing it with something that brings you more joy. And what you were talking about earlier too, it, the when it comes down to it is the people that are saying, you know, that's crazy. You're just flipping around and being a gypsy and <laughs> you're not staying, you know, committed to this or whatever the case may be. It's because they are living in that framework of constantly thinking about the future. They're really not in their present moment. 
and they don't even allow themselves to say, I don't like this life right now. Instead, they're, I have to take care of this. I have to go do that. It's part of my responsibility. You know, I got to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so it becomes, yeah, I mean, the more that you, that people really let go to their present moment and really live in this now, which is something that that's one of the things that I do with my guidance is bringing people, you know, leaping out there, seeing where their joy is and bringing it back into the now rather than leaving it hanging out there 10 years from now, <laughs> you know, remember when people thought that they could live their joy when they retired? That's not that many years ago that people thought that. You had suffered for 65 years and then you could be in joy. And then what happened? A lot of people passed not very long after they retired because it suddenly became, wait a minute here. <laughs> this isn't my joy. <laughs> One of the things that I don't believe into, it's uh, changing people. It's more acceptance and gratitude and appreciation for what is than trying to change. Mm -hmm. And usually what I found is if people are not asking, they really don't want to hear. <laughs> There's no such thing as changing somebody else. It's one of the biggest illusions that we probably have on the planet with <laughs> that the ego thinks that it can do that for somebody else. And uh, then it comes down to, as you had said, that what are we accepting then? And then that can get a little sticky sometimes too, because you can reach that threshold of if I'm standing in here with this person and I am uh, accepting that they are operating the way they do, and I can see that it's very hurtful, am I contributing to their inflicted harm on themselves by, you know, acting as it's all okay? <laughs> or, you know, do I need to just get in there and provide, reflecting the information, reflecting the options, the alternative routes, and then, you know, retreating and then loving from a distance, you know, rather than being there in the presence of somebody where they, you can end up, what I've seen a lot is you end up creating tons of resistance in the other person because they are looking at your clear mirror and saying, oh my gosh, I don't like what I see right now. And so then they start to build up their blocks and their walls and you then feel, start to go, wait a minute here. I feel that I'm, you know, contributing to them creating more resistance for themselves. So what if I stepped back a little bit and the mirror was a little bit further away, I can still send love to them, send to their essential self, send to the, that somehow they come to this aha moment that maybe they don't want to use the drugs anymore. Maybe they want to heal their, their body, mind, spirit, you know, really come all the way through full throttle with their own walk and their, how they're going to take it on and what they're going to do about it. And um, the acceptance becomes that even it can be perceived though still as you're rejecting me. But it's not, it's actually you're loving them strong, as strongly as you can by, you know, coming out of their space a little bit so they don't have to create so much resistance of, I don't want to change <laughs> and, and sending the love in instead. So yeah, it's a, it, that can, that can be very challenging because especially in your profession, when they start to make strides or something, and then maybe they back off and the projection becomes you of you're trying to tell me that I have to do this or whatever. And it's like, no, I, I hand it back to the person and say, no, this is for you to decide. You get to decide how well you want to feel. You get to decide. That's a good point. Yeah. I really like the way you um, talked about the tolerance and accepting everything that's happened around us could become could reinforce actually the behavior or the um, the continuity of whatever it's it's happening 
that it's not, it's causing suffering, unnecessary suffering. That makes sense to me. But at the same time, it doesn't because of the love that we have been talking about, unconditional love. That means there's something in ourselves that we have that needs to be changed. If I'm suffering because of the presence of somebody that I perceive as harmful, that means that there's a, someone in me, an ego person, that creation, creation of my, my own, that's resisting, rejecting something out there. Well, not exactly, because it's it, this is how I, how I would view it, seeing it in somebody. So you see their attachment. So say maybe it's to not taking the means or the strides to heal oneself. Instead, the choices are being made towards um, a lot of medications or, or food or whatever is happening. They're just stuffing more of themselves away. And it's not that you're looking at it as um, they're, oh, look how they're doing that. They could do it better or differently or whatever. It's not about that. It's simply being you're that mirror saying, okay, here's what it is. This is what you must have met me for a reason, or we came into contact. And at the same time though, you're, you're accepting exactly where they are with it. And then also realizing they must be deriving some f pleasure still that maybe you and I don't understand. How could that be pleasurable? But they still do because otherwise they would decide differently. There's, st there's still an attachment somewhere in there that says to them how they're operating is pleasurable. So the judgment piece that we can get in caught in is, oh, well, how could they be possibly having fun like that? But they are, or they wouldn't be doing it that way. So then that's where the acceptance and then conditional love comes in where it's like, oh, and it doesn't mean um, you have to remain in their presence. You can love from anywhere. The love doesn't have any division that way. So it just, it, and it's determined on, um, not necessarily on that you're observing them and then feeling yucky about it. You're observing them and saying, oh, okay, well, that's their choice and this is their decision and they must really actually be having fun that way. <laughs> yeah, or well, they are not ready to change, take that step and understand who they are really. So the third suggestion from the piece you wrote about 11 strong suggestions you might have heard or are hearing from your angels and guides Talk to me about the third suggestion. You mentioned give yourself permission to begin to see yourself as a powerful and cleared of all blocks. Absolutely. So as you were talking earlier, the, like the conditioning and the environmental and then also the messaging that we heard from the adults around when we were children, we often then took on that that is fact. Those blocks are fact. That That's just the way it is. And so... I encourage everyone to consider what if they don't really exist? <laughs> what if we start to consider that those blocks are, an, they're just illusion that we can face and decide that they don't have to necessarily dictate direct design our lives anymore. And so giving ourselves permission, because a lot of the times it's that we haven't given ourselves permission to let things go, to say, you know what? I don't have to be attached to that idea. I don't have to have that thought uh, crusading through my mind every day that's telling me that I can't do something because my parents weren't successful at it. Or the teacher said, there's no way you're going to ever make any money doing that. Or whatever the case was, whatever that message was, I'm not going to carry that around anymore. That's when we give ourselves permission to dump it off say, no, I'm not, I don't need to carry that with me anymore. <laughs> yeah, that triggered me to think about preferences. I think that as long as we are attached 
to the idea of who we are as someone who has preferences, likes and dislikes, as this is very much talked about and uh, explored in Buddhism. Yes. Well, and the thing is, is that we do start to believe all of that extra stuff is that is who we are. And so, um, and the more that you are, are looking at it and saying, what if that's not me? What if that's not me? What if that's not me? You know, that you come back to this space and uh, it can derive a lot of fear for people because they feel like they will not exist if they really let go of all the stuff that they are not, that they're going to be nothing. And, <laughs> and it gets really, I'm sure in a lot of your research and study, you've probably come across that, that nothingness and allness at the same time, <laughs> where it's like, wow, I'm nothing, but I'm everything. <laughs> How does that work? You know? Right. Yeah. When you understand that there's no one there really to, um, that's going through anything, then it's, uh, it's much easier to kind of uh, let go, to accept, to uh, just to flow with life. Exactly. It really comes to, down to the beingness of it. And people, one of these, like a tangential piece of that is how people will ask, well, what do you do like with your everyday ordinary life? Like things are happening. You have, you know, you have a challenge with the phone company or you, your, uh, you know, your hotel room wasn't set up correctly or whatever. Well, if you, the more you drop into that observation mode that you've mentioned where you're just watching it, the more you're letting go of all the control around it and things can keep staying in a sink. Now, other people say that's not in synchronicity. You, you know, you've, that doesn't, that's out of the sink. It's like, oh, is it? Because <laughs> what if the reason why you have a problem with the phone company is because your essential self, everything's coming to, guess what? You're going to be moving and not even having that phone company anymore. You know, like everything is leading us forward towards the frequency states that we're determining, you know, what? I'm ready for that now. I'm ready for that now. Or the, the hotel room, you know, fell through because you were supposed to land in a different hotel room that faced an open field instead of a highway, you know? So that's what I, I always recommend to people is like, don't consider anything as bad. Consider that there's a, you know, have, do I get into the things where, yes, I've been broken down on the highway, but I don't go to, oh my God, this is the most horrible thing. I may be late for that. I go to, wow, I wonder who's going to come and be able to assist us. And sure enough, somebody will come up and it's like, there they are in the tow truck. And this has actually happened to, you know, show up on the tow truck and, and the guy pops out and he goes, yeah, sometimes we're considered angels along the highway. You know, like they just spit something out of their mouth and you're like, ha ha ha, you know? <laughs> so it becomes, and you become less attached to the idea that anything is not working in your favor. The universe is against you. And you just say, Hmm, there's going to be somebody or we're all, you know, doing this together. And my challenge is going to provide somebody else to find a solution to say, help me or serve in their way that they can. It's going to be the highlight of their day. They're going to feel joy. They're going to feel that love, you know? So it, it's very interesting when you start to watch it like a movie. Yes. It doesn't mean that the movie doesn't become a horror movie sometimes. And and it does, but uh, just let the, uh, the conditioned self just handle some of the aspects of the situation that needs to be handled in a certain way. So do you want to go through the um, fourth? Yeah, fourth through the 11th. I appreciate if you can go through them. Yes. Well, number four, you know, it's that idea that 
your uh, guidance, whether if you want to just rely on your own essential self, your own self, that's perfectly great. People will ask me, you know, do you have to talk about angels and guides? No, absolutely not. We can just go as, as you had said earlier, there doesn't have to be any kind of separation at all. You can be all of that. So when they have said, um, do you think we just get you here and then dump you off? You know, it's like, no, (laughs) it's not that, um, oh, here, now you've reached this threshold and then, you know, deal with this yourself, go deal with this yourself, or, you know, we're, we're done with you, or we're going to wash our hands, or you're not handling it the way we want you to. And the idea is like, no, 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 come back, come back into your present. And then um, by doing that, that's where the static and that numbness and that checked outness gets to drift away. So it's that that piece. And a lot of people have said that to me, that, that they've actually heard words like that. You think we get here because when a person is panicking or having anxiety about something and feeling like, where did my angels and guides go? You know, where did my, where did my higher self go for this? And it's like, no, no, come back to the present. You know, come back into your now, observe from this now, and you'll you'll see you, you'll see you and you'll end all of those answers right there. So, um, it, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the point of that one is we're never, we're never really away from ourselves. We're just distracted. <laughs> so, uh, let's see, go ahead. Oh, so number five was, um, this idea of how, where we're putting our focus. Why are you watching or reading that? You know, if we are seeing something and it's feeling like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Or I feel really gross to have to be reading this article or seeing this thing on the news or whatever, but I, I need to be in the know. Like I have to be able to talk about this later or whatever. And in essence, the angels and guides are saying with that point is you don't have to do that. You can be uh, it, as our awareness is always on, it's just how awakened we are to it at any moment. Uh, or do you have to be focused on this or would you rather take your focus out here and then realizing where can I have the greatest impact if I watch this news and I feel really awful tonight and then I wake up tomorrow feeling awful, then what am I going to be able to radiate or just be in my day if that is there? So it's saying, you, you know, you have that option of always deciding what do you want on your spectrum? What, what do you want to be observing? Because it's not about you're not going to be ignoring. You're going to be knowing that these things are happening in the world because our bodies are essential bodies. They're beings. They're going to see it. Um, and so then what? where does it go from there as far as the um, depression being a very slow frequency, the anxiety, the panic? A lot of people... Uh, actually wake up in the morning having watched the news the night before and just feel horrible for their day because of the stuff that got absorbed and integrated into their being. And then if we can't do something about it, say we're not there um, in the physical to be able to attend to it in a way that could be constructive or or healing, then what are we going to do about that? You know, rather than just stay in that state of this is awful and the world is falling apart, and instead being able to redirect that to, well, I'm going to send that helpers arrive, that people are there, you know, within the vicinity, that somebody makes a decision that's able to create help, you know, and et cetera. Does that make sense as far as that point? Okay. Okay. And then number six was, um, ooh, this is a touchy one for a lot of people because people will say, what do you mean? <laughs> What do you mean you, I attracted this, you know, attack or harassment or um, people treating me in this way? And it's, 
can if we really start to look at that mirror and say what what am i projecting out there and how is it coming back to me because it is reflecting where i am with myself then what am i going to do about that when it becomes something where somebody is uh sharp with me or they're uh, you know assaulting me with their ideas or their mouth or whatever you know whatever the case may be and what how am i going to perceive that am i going to say wait a minute maybe i am being mean to myself. Maybe I am coming down. Maybe I'm beating myself up about something. You know, maybe I am invading myself in some which way. And the freedom of that to get to that point of saying, holy cow, I think I've been pushing on myself. <laughs> and that's why I'm getting so pushed on at work or, you know, et cetera. And then all of a sudden you flip that around and start to consider, well, if I, if I treat myself better with more kindness and self-love, then, then I'm going to watch and see what that does. How, where does that ripple out and how does that get reflected back to me? So, uh, so that's the, the point of that was helping to clear that idea that, you know, anything could be happening out there that we're not doing to ourselves somewhere. <laughs> Even if it's really hidden away. Everything starts yeah, with us, right? But then goes back also to that wisdom idea I call wisdom concept. If there's no one really creating anything within us, then um, nothing can really happen because everything happens inside. It's happening now in our minds, this conversation, everything's happening in our own minds. Yes. And even the definition of it changes, like how we are defining it, because things could come by us and we might not even notice that or take it as we would in the past. And you can start to say, wow, that's interesting. Ten years ago, that would have really gotten to me or that would have been a big trigger. And all of a sudden it's like, no, that doesn't pertain to me. That's actually that person is having that experience right now. And they're talking of themselves. <laughs> and that's OK. Mm -hmm. Yep. And let's see, what do we have for this next one? We have. Um, OK, so. Number seven was uh, encouraging being, you know, asking for them, calling them in because their guides and our angels, they, you'll have interesting experiences where you will have emergency systems show up out of nowhere for things. Uh, however, most of the time they're very careful not to intrude on our free will. So they don't want to step in unless we are asking for assistance. So that's where the number seven point is, is asking and opening and then receiving. And that goes with everything too. <laughs> is we, if we're not asking for it and we're not really putting that declaration out to the universe to, to have the frequencies line up then. I mean, it was if you want to bring it back to the vibrational state of things. If we're not asking for it, then how does that get synced up? And so they are no different. The angels and guides, they say, you, you know, make sure that you're asking and then opening to receive assistance. Life is such an amazing, unimaginable <laughs> journey, right? Wow. It's fascinating to the mind, right? To the mind, really, because the mind doesn't really understand. Yeah, the mind doesn't understand. I have two questions for you, my last questions. If you knew you would lose the body anytime soon, would you change anything or do anything differently? No, I think I, I feel that everything is in progress. <laughs> everything is in progress. And um, 
I really do my best to respond to everything in the moment that it is. Therefore, because uh, those in the quantum say regret is something that's purely earth plane. It is nowhere else. Regret. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. We don't, we would never um, get attached to that anywhere else. But here there's so much here that says, you know, oh, you must have some regrets. It's like, well, you would if you are feeling like you're missing something. But every moment that you're saying, I am here, I'm going to, I'm I'm here being me as, you know, the best possible way that I can respond to that. And I can alter it at any time, (laughs) you know, whatever that is, the I am-ness without the form. (laughs) Then, you know, then what? Because with that concept of infinity, say there's something that you always want to do and you haven't done it yet. It doesn't mean you're not going to. Even if you're not, you don't have a form next week. That's a very good point. Yeah, you talk about a mind continuation. Yeah, the beliefs. And even if you didn't do, if you have desires. And um, my last question to you. What are three things about life, this life, <laughs> you know for sure? I know for sure love and joy and peace. I know those for sure. And, and that they're, they are for everyone. They're, that is for everyone. Every being, every, every energy field, every leaf on a tree, you know, every caterpillar before it's a butterfly. It doesn't matter. It's, that's, these are, those are absolutes. And then we just keep returning to them <laughs> as we go along. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Jean, for this conversation. It has been um, it has been fun, spiritual fun, I call it. Uh, and meaningful, very meaningful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Where can we find more information about you, your work, services, and future projects? Absolutely. <laughs> um, my website, I like that. That's perfect. Quote unquote future. Uh, take a walk with your angels.com or my YouTube channel is a great resource for how to videos. Uh, and that is just JeannieMarieBlah.com. And of course, my blog, JoyFlames.com. <laughs> if for anybody that's looking for little bits of writings of understanding here and there, those are on there too. Really great. Thank you so much again. Thank you very much, Valeria. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon, Jeannie. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jeannie Marie Blaha, please visit her website, takeawalkwithyourangels.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.